Marini's Media. Man, these are some unsettling times we're living in. Clubs are furloughing, Greg Clark are doom-mongering, and genuine and deep concern about the future for society as we know it, let alone our beautiful game. Still, we're starting our League One team of the season today, so that's something. This is the Totally Football League Show. Yes, hi gang, hope you're well. Matt Davis-Adams coming at you live from my box room to steer us through another week in the virtually dormant but never dull world of the English Football League. Despite the lack of live action to look at, we've still got a packed show this week. So with a nod to our brother in absentia, Joe Crilly, let's dial up my two favourite pundits. First up, he hasn't slept in days, but nothing would get in the way of his weekly excuse not to change a nappy for an hour or so. Can you believe we're just 12 years and three days removed from the time he bagged an injury time consolation for Luton in a 2-1 defeat at Northampton? Hi, Sam Parkin. Hi, Matt. How you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. Um, one of your teammates who came off the bench that day at Sixfields shares a surname with a type of food. Can you tell me who it is? Nothing springs to mind. There's nothing called McVeigh is there no uh, but yeah he no. was in it uh, Darren Curry was the answer we were looking oh, for that's embarrassing he came off the bench he's the best player in yeah, the world he did, yeah on, on 55 <laughs> um, <laughs> was he hot one of the best players I've ever seen Darren Curry his touch really? was I didn't, didn't see him have a bad touch in training in the three years I played alongside him at Luton and at Ipswich he was an incredible player uh, what's your favourite Curry I was brought up in a household where we only had Chinese takeaway, really, and I didn't mature my palate uh, to start taking on Indian food until I was a little bit older, and I am a recent convert to a biryani. Okay, yeah, very it nice. Means you don't have to order, it means you don't have to order any uh, other rice. We just take the rice from the biryani. And there's a lovely <laughs> we know place. what a biryani is, Sam. <laughs> well, no, just, I, I just think people would probably order extra rice, and that would be criminal. Um, and the place near us... Little Mumbai in Twickenham does a lovely kind of layered biryani. It is sensational. Good, useful information there. Um, Alongside Sam, originally a civil liberties lawyer, he made the switch to photography in 2003. His work is in a social realist style. His first major set of pictures was framed, a series of pictures of subjects who'd served long prison sentences for crimes they didn't commit. These days, he's a tip-top pundit and tactical analyst. Come in, Adrian Clark. Hello, hello. Um, Yeah, Rogan Josh is my trademark curry. That's my sort of dish... That I'm most famous for making, um, but yeah, probably probably Jao Frazee for me. I thought you were going to say for having there, <laughs> famous mm. for having a Rogan Josh. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, Adrian Clark, old Rogan Josh boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine, by the way, is Manfred Curry, born 1899, died 1953, <laughs> a German American who improved the science of sailboat design. Uh, okay, fun stuff coming up. Our champ team of the season gets a manager for one thing. Uh, also, we're speaking with Stevenage captain Scott Cuthbert about the good work his club is doing in the community. And Wimbledon director Ivor Heller will be explaining his Twitter feed. First, though, this. English football faces the danger of losing clubs and leagues amid economic challenges beyond the wildest imagination, so said FA chairman Greg Clark at an FA council meeting. 
Many communities could lose the clubs at their heart with little chance of resurrection. Uh, He also went on to say it's time for the stakeholders to agree common cause to save our game. Contribute. Football is a team game and now is the time for teamwork. However, we may not be able to finish the season as football is not our priority. Human life is and will do as the government directs as the pandemic unfolds. Further down the football pyramid, our leagues have requested that the season is curtailed and that the decision rests with the FA Council. Uh, A. Clark, is this good leadership from G. Clark? Well, it's good to finally hear something from the FA, isn't it? I, th- I think they've been worryingly quiet throughout this this whole process. I, I think what he says is all fair enough. It is a time for teamwork. We all need to make sacrifices. But I think rather than hearing sound bites from someone like Greg Clark, wishy-washy comments about what we need to do, I want to see action, really, from, from the FA. I want to... I want some ideas. I want some some leadership, some direction. When I think about the FA's position here, they're sort of in between everybody, aren't they? With the EFL, the Premier League, the grassroots game, the PFA. I just think that they've got an opportunity here to be the perfect mediator, the perfect middleman that just coordinates everything together. Yet there was there was no mention of of that in the statement. A lot of mention on the FA website about how they're struggling financially, which is fair enough. We all are. But yeah, I just said I'd like to see a, a plan of action. I'd like to the FA to, sh- to show a bit more drive, a bit more initiative here, rather than the sort of platitudes that he came out with. Sam, the, the bit that he mentions about clubs and leagues being in trouble uh, caught my attention because it's not just going to be your Macclesfields and your Morecambe's who are in a bind here, is it? You know, there are plenty of championship clubs who spend way beyond their means that, that never plan for something like this happening. No, and that's the first time probably that you've had the the, the warning of the, the possible trauma that the game's going to encounter uh, and the realistic proposition that the seasons won't be able to finish. I think that's the first time we've really heard that so that's probably struck home with a a lot of people since the statement was made Um, talk of I've seen championship clubs accumulatively going into administration that's been muted this morning as well Um, so a lot of speculation but in terms of the statement itself sensible it's you know it's the right thing to say that we have to all be together and call for unity. Um, I thought it was, you know, perfectly well written and um, made a lot of sense. But yeah, you have to agree with, with Adrian. Um, maybe we would have expected to hear something a bit sooner. All right. Well, we'll keep a close eye on this ever-evolving situation. For now, though, let's championship. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. Championship headlines. Reading have announced £40.6 million in losses for the last year, with wages increasing by £5 million. Whilst Leeds players will get a 2% bonus when the season resumes for agreeing to defer their wages. Brentford's new stadium completion's been delayed, with the club unsure as to when it will be ready whilst the team take wage deferrals. Sheffield Wednesday striker Sam Winnell is one of the latest athletes to test positive for COVID-19. He said he had no symptoms, no problems and no indications he had the virus, but took a test out of curiosity. And sadly, Luton legend Raddy Antic passed away this week. Journalist Ian Ladyman tweeted this wonderful Antic anecdote. When Raddy Antic signed for Luton in 1980, he said he'd drive from the Balkans to Hertfordshire. He crashed his car in Paris on the way and was two days late. Three years later, he scored the most important goal in their history. They were glad he turned up. 
RIP. Next up, we're going to talk Derby County, or as producer slash banterist Abby has written, my beloved Derby County. Uh, to do that, we're joined on the line by the Athletics man in the know on the Rams. It's Ryan Conway. Uh, Ryan, you join us days after Derby should have been dismantled by Forrest, so you dodged a bullet there. Uh, but tell us what it's like for a football writer with no football to write about. What, what are you up to at the moment? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, as you can imagine, a, a challenge. So it's trying to look at... I think a lot of where where pieces would fit in when sort of players come back from injury. Christian Bielik was was one I looked at recently. Tore his ACL in January, um, and now he's back in the gym. But in his absence, you know, Max Bird has has flourished, and centre back partnerships doing pretty well. So you sort of scratching your head, wondering, well, all right, where does the record signing now fit in? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's always for tough times. It's always things like nostalgia interviews that are pretty good. So um, I spoke to. Um, uh, Grigosh Rajak recently, um, and he was a, he was a lovely man, and he had some some interesting things to to say about his time at at Derby. He actually, turned Forrest down because of his allegiances to Derby, so that in, that endeared him to them even even more. Yeah, and then a lot a lot a, a lot of diving into statistics and seeing what they actually what they actually mean, if any, if anything, which is always a futile waste of of life. So I enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> well, with Derby, one of the many championship clubs to announce they've furloughed members of their non-playing staff. What, what, what's the reaction to that been from from Rams fans, uh, if any? Um, I think what has what has rubbed a lot of them the, the wrong way is that Derby won't even you know Derby won't be making up the twenty percent. So essentially, this becomes a twenty percent pay cut for the for the time being. That has upset quite a lot. I think particularly. And it's 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 just poor time, anything particularly with um, what Wayne Rooney had said in his in his uh, column about you know it's a disgrace how our players are being asked to take pay cuts and this that and the other. So now Derby have, have done this to their non-playing staff and the club aren't making up the twenty percent. Yet yeah, it's, it's it's not sat well. I understand that completely, uh, Ryan. In terms of the non-playing staff, what what about the the players themselves? Have, have they been furloughed? And would a club top that up? Personally, I have to say, if the financial plight of championship clubs is a, is as dangerous to the edge as, as as Greg Clark indicated or hinted at in the statement yesterday, then surely players are going to have to sacrifice parts of their salary, aren't they? I mean, the vast majority of the country right now are down on their money. I don't see why footballers should be any different. What, what's your indication of where Derby's players stand? At the, at the moment, I believe they're still receiving the full the full pay. Now, obviously, that that could change at the drop of the hat. But um, the last that I was aware, they were not deferring their the wages. They were not taking any sort of any sort of pay cut. The feeling I got was that they were waiting and trying to hang fire to see what the, the you know the PFA would would do. Now, Derby are not in tremendous financial shape. With uh, obviously, I mean, Mel Morris has been trying to secure investment for a good long while now, and any time you're trying to actively seek aggressive, you know, funding like that, it's an indication that things aren't great. He sold the stadium to himself. I would argue that any anybody that has to sell that kind of asset to themselves is not in great financial shape. So yeah, it, I think there will come a time where players will have to defer some of their wages um, for. Derby and other and you know other championship clubs to to be sustainable. If we have a, a talk about the season so far, 
post-Christmas run really turned things around, didn't it? Presumably that's eased any pressure that, that was building on Philip Koku after what was a pretty rough first half of the season. Yeah, it's it's a strange one because um, I, I honestly don't think Koku was under any real pressure, to, to be honest with you. Um, it was a season that just... every every t- it, it felt like a bad dream at times. It, it was... You know, he goes. They go out for a, a team bonding meal, and then a drink driving accident happens, and the captain gets gets sacked. You know, in, injuries which everyone contends with were awful. But when you don't have a full preseason like like he had, you know, he got hired, and his squad was in Florida, a preseason that Frank Lampard had, had arranged, and and Koku was not happy about that. So I think he was always going to be given not a pass, but a lot more rope than than the managers were. Yeah, the, they 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 really turned a corner at. at at New Year, and it's it's easy to say, well, Wayne Wayne Rooney, you plug him in there, and and that is going to help it, and it does. But also the emergence of of Max Bird has has been fantastic. I think Tom Lawrence's form has been an enormous part of why they're succeeding as well, um, and Dwayne Holmes's form before he got got injured was a huge part of of why they were doing so well. And the quality was always there. It's just the consistency that drives you crazy. Ryan, obviously you just touched on a couple of the incidents that have gone on this season. You've had plenty to get your teeth into. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about Max Bird and, and Louis Sibley in, in particular? What level do you believe those two could get to? Oh, they're so good. They're so good. They're so, <laughs> they're so fun to watch as well. Louis, Louis Sibley, uh, they're very different players. First, first of all, so Sibley um, is more of a direct attacking midfielder, whereas Bird is a, is a more composed holding midfielder. The comparison that I found for Bird was Michael Carrick. Now, that's not me saying he he will be that level of player, but he plays the game that kind of way. It's very controlled. Everything is he's like a metronome there. He just keeps the team ticking over, and it's uh, it's a lot of what he does will go underappreciated, and probably a lot like Michael Carrick's did. Um, and Louis Sibley, he just saw, he just picks the ball up and he just runs forward with no regard for any human in his way, really. And Derby haven't had that. I mean, Dwayne Holmes was was doing that role a lot, but outside of him, they didn't really have anyone to do that. And Sibley adds adds that injection of just fear into into defenders. He picks the ball up, and defenders just hot step it backwards. Um, they're they're not they're not ready for him to just run at them directly. Now, uh, Koku has indicated previously that he would like Sibley to tighten up his defensive responsibilities, but he's not really worried about that because, you know, he's, he's a young man, he's getting there, and right now you don't want to take that freedom out of his game. And for, for Bird, it was a case of he he lost it. He lost his father, I think, last year. Um, yeah, last year. And, and, that, and that was naturally very, very tough on him. And, and in terms of his, his physical stature, he'd not filled out yet. So there was, a, there was an, a game against Scunthorpe in the Carabao Cup first round where he... He just looked off the pace, not ready for, for you know, men's football, for, for lack of a better phrase. And then he went away for a bit. It was like he went to the back cave or something. And then he, he came on at halftime against Wigan at, on Boxing Day. And he was, he was just outstanding. And, and ever since then, he's, he's been a mainstay in the, in the team. He's been wonderful. Excellent. Um, lastly then, Ryan, like me, you're a pro wrestling mark. If you could swap one member of the current WWE roster for one member of the Derby squad, so they both do each other's jobs, uh, who are you picking? This was actually the thing I had the most notes on. Um, um, so, so I, for for the, the wrestler that is going to Derby, I've got Braun Strowman because he, he's always shouting, "Get these hands!" So I think he's dying to be a goalkeeper. Um, 
and and Dar- and Derby could Derby could yeah, maybe use could a, a, a new a new goalkeeper. Yeah, um, and he's huge as well. So, um, so I think he, I'm taking Braun Strowman to be Derby's um, monster signing, and the Derby player going to WWE is Martin Waghorn because he has a he has a little bit of a Brock Lesnar vibe about him. Um, he's a big lad as well, and uh, and he, he likes he likes Brock. I've spoken to him a, a couple of times, and he he uh, he sees the comparison, and he he thinks he could be a good Brock Lesnar, and he looks like he'd do a mean line in German suplexes. Nice, but he'd need Paul Heyman to talk for him, obviously. <laughs> Ryan, thanks so much for <laughs> for joining us today. We hope you um, stay well, stay safe, and and that you're back reporting on the Rams before too long. Appreciate you having me on, guys. Thank you so much. Ryan Conway, there, the man who drew the short straw from the Athletic. Right then, last week we put uh, Adrian and Sam's team of the season for the championship out to the Twitter public to ask which was best. It was a close run thing between Adrian Clark United and Sam Park in Rangers. Just 6% in it, the winner, Clarkies United with 53% of the vote. Uh, are you pleased with that, Adrian? Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, 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 there, guess, wasn't, there wasn't much between the sides, was there? I, yeah, I could easily have picked Sam's team. Good battle, it was. Uh, but they will need a manager, a manager of the season, in fact, from the championship. Whilst you're there, Adrian, who have you gone for and why is it Sabri uh, Lamushi? <laughs> well, Sabri Lamushi, I think, would certainly be in my top three. I think he's been excellent, probably over... Well, I think he has overachieved, considering Forrest have only really got one striker. I, I think he's done a terrific job in his first season there. Special mention for Alex Neal. I think he's been been excellent with with Preston, but but for me, it has to be between the top two. And the, and the manager that's made the fewest mistakes, in my opinion, is is Slaven Bilic. And he was new to the club. He inherited a group of players that could have gone one or two ways. A lot of talent there, but I think he harnessed the group brilliantly. Uh, five defeats, I think, is is a tremendous achievement from Slaven Bilic at West Brom. And, and as I say, I think Bielsa, you could look at Bielsa and say he's made a lot of errors and could Leeds be out of sight by now had had Bielsa made some different choices. So so for me, manager of, of Adrian Clark United has to be Slaven Bilic. OK, so it's Bilic for Clarkey. Uh, what's Parkin's pick? And, and Parkin's pick is definitely a feature that we should make. <laughs> My shortlist would have been very similar. Uh, Lamushi was in my thought process. I saw that if they finished the season now, it would be the best, highest finish since 2009-10 under Billy Davis. So he's done a brilliant job in his his first role and, and, and Alex Neal as well. But I'm glad that clarky has gone for Bilic because I'm going to go for Bielsa. And I've dug out last week's notes because I thought we were doing it then. <laughs> um, so I'll just read them. Well, the club was going nowhere, really, is the first thing I've written down under, I think it was Christiansen, wasn't it? Improve, improving the players, um, the improvement in the likes of Phillips and, and Click and, and, and Ailing, who have been sensational from this season. Um, on for a, a higher points total, points per game. If you look at last season, I think five points superior they would have been to last campaign. And to respond in that manner after the disappointment of, of Derby, uh, in the playoffs, I think is is testament to the to the coach and to the guy. And yeah, in an ideal world, he would have had a a bulkier squad. But to be doing it with what I believe is not probably one of the top two squads in the division shows you what quality coach he is. All right, well that's Billich and Bielsa then joint managers of the season. I'm sure they'll get along swimmingly. Uh, so that's your championship team of the season. We'll revisit it whenever the season ends to see if the final few games would have changed anything, which will probably render the whole thing irrelevant. Right, to League One. 
Get great offers every day with William Hill. Join today and get £30 in free bets when you bet £10 using the promo code C30. Whether you like great prices, free bets or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30, new online customers only. Minimum £10 stake, win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets, 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. League One headlines. Sunderland, Coventry and Doncaster have put their players on furlough. The clubs will pay the extra 20% to ensure the players receive their full wage. Sunderland shareholder and star of Sunderland Till I Die, Charlie Methven, had told Matt Lawton of the Times that the Black Cats had the lowest bill in the EFL percentage-wise. Whilst at South End, several staff and some players are on furlough. Pompey's five players who contracted coronavirus have now made full recoveries. Few. Meanwhile, Wimbledon director Ivor Heller is doing his bit to keep everyone's timelines filled with joy on Twitter through various challenges he's undertaking in his back garden to varying success. But there's also a stadium to build in southwest London. So let's have a chat with the man himself to find out how the Wombles are tackling the pandemic. Ivor, first of all, tell us about this uh, back garden challenge that you appear to have taken up that's uh, taking Twitter by storm. (laughs) <laughs> Hardly by storm, but it, it, it really started by accident. To be honest, I, I, I was—I um, made a decision that I was going to start keep my fitness up. I had a really rough time for, for um, a fair whack of time due to personal circumstances and a, an operation that I had to have, and all sorts of things. I, I and I'd let myself go. So I, I, in January, I started this whole new health kick, and, and, and but I found it very hard to walk. And, and, and just as I was getting myself up to speed as such. Along came this crisis, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm locked up for three months. So, okay, um, I'm going to turn that into something positive. So, I decided to start walking around the garden to do my ten thousand steps every day. Um, and then my my um, my partner Lisa, she um, she filmed me, and I made a rude gesture at her, uh, and it was quite funny. So, uh, I, I bunged it on Twitter, and then everybody said, "What are you going to do tomorrow?" And, um, <laughs> Uh, and it kind of went off from there, and it's been. You know, I've been set some tasks by some interesting um, people, some footballers, and uh, you know, a couple of pro golfers have, have set me tasks, and some horse trainers, and uh, a boxer or two. So it's all the people, all the sports that I really love joining in and throwing things at me, and it's um, yeah, it seems to have taken on a bit of a life of its own. <laughs> Great for keeping connected whilst we're all in lockdown. Um, let's talk about the club, though, sort of as a wider entity. Wimbledon yep. and supporters groups um, have been doing their bit to help the community out as well, haven't they? Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable what, what our guys are doing. You know, I mean, it, it, they're, um, I'm not quite sure how many supermarkets that they're at now, but I think it's something like 10 or 12 supermarkets. They are doing deliveries to literally thousands of homes now. They are also helping to support um, ambulance stations, um, Kingston Hospital, St Helier Hospital, and St George's Hospital, uh, and and they're collecting food at all of these supermarkets. They've make they're raising money via donations as well to try and feed the the people that can't afford to feed themselves and people that can't get out. And you know, I had a delivery from uh, sorry, the delivery. I had a phone call from uh, a, a lady today who's a, a, an ex councillor of, of Merton, a wonderful, wonderful lady who's, who's in a um, sheltered residents uh, and she got a delivery of food and she she was beside herself uh, and, and she phoned me to say thank you even though it wasn't me that delivered it obviously you know um and it's making a real difference in the community and we are leading that 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 thrust in in merton in, in kingston um 
uh, and Morden and Mitchum. Uh, and it's absolutely incredible what, what, what's going on. And it's, it's just a, it's a fans initiative, really. Fantastic. Yeah, it's been wonderful to see, um, certainly in the lower leagues, what football clubs are doing um, in their community. And we're going to hear about that uh, a bit later on in the podcast. Um, but let's talk about Wimbledon, keep it Wimbledon based, because yeah. the big thing this season had been the stadium. How yeah. has the pandemic uh, affected plans for the new stadium? Well, the, 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 the truth of it is it's still being built. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, the work is still going. They They, they haven't. Um, shut down the site at all. Um, there, there are uh, you know there are some challenges through this, and and you know there, there's there's a possibility that things will, will slip. But the you know the good news is that, that that vast progress has been made over the last six weeks, and you know uh, we're still going to open the stadium. We'll still be playing in it next season, and uh, and you know all all is going to be good in the world again by then. <laughs> I hope <laughs> absolutely. Well, fingers crossed. Whenever next season is, uh, the Plough Lane bond yeah. has that been affected? Oh, the Plough Lane bond has has been. I mean, what an incredible achievement! Again, a fans led initiative, mm. but but to raise five point three nine five million Oof. when you know times are not not particularly brilliant before this this epidemic. To 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 see what they've done is incredible, and yeah, for us, it, it's been a lifeline for the club and a lifeline for the project, and you know. If that hadn't have happened when it did happen, I don't want to even begin to think about where we'd be right now. Absolutely. And what about the day-to-day running of the club? How are how are Wimbledon coping? Well, you know, we're we're coping surprisingly well. Where where we're lucky, I mean this from our point of view, we've always run a very very tight ship. We've got a very small workforce. There 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 aren't many of us. We haven't got a big playing squad, and we're by far not the highest payers in, in our league. In fact, I think we're the, the second bottom payers in the league. And that makes it easier to control. And although we are losing some income, yeah, we've only had four matches at home matches left to go. And that's where our major income comes from. So, you know, it, it's not it's not pleasant, but but it's uh, it's doable. And we we've we, yeah, we had a board meeting this morning and, and that was very positive and we can see Ways where we can put a you know a decent budget together for the next season, and uh, uh, and we think just by being able to do that because we've kept a low cost base, um, you know, we we will probably move up the budget table by staying exactly where we are on on, on the finances. So uh, Wimbledon actually managing to sort of ride it all out quite quite well, well better than other clubs, I suppose, is the best way to to well, put it. Maybe I can't speak for other clubs, but but I think from from a point of view of us, you know. We, 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 there's no great sense of panic. Um, we feel like we're very much in control of the situation. Of course, we don't know how long it's going to go on. We don't know feasibly when football's going to start off again or what kind of product it's going to be offering when it does. Uh, and, you know, I personally would like to see that cleared up very quickly mm. because, you know, I think giving people something positive to aim for um, is something that's really important in these times. But football must not start again unless it start, starts from a very safe perspective. So we can't put a single life at risk by starting football again. And that's that's my big, big, big crux. If there's any percentage of risk, then, then we shouldn't start until there's no percentage. Thanks, Ivor. Right, with our Championship team of the season verified and laminated, it's high time we get cracking on Leagues 1 and 2. This week we're giving you the defensive players in our League 1 lineup, and next week we'll reveal the attacking half of the 11 with League 2 starting in a fortnight. We're going to go full-on crocodile sandwich as we make this snappy. Uh, goalkeeper then, who's Parkin picked? Um, I'm going Marco Morosi from 
Coventry, uh, 14 clean sheets, second most, best defence in the division, seven 1-0 wins amongst their uh, victories this season. So really like the cut of his jib. Justified. Adrian, have you picked somebody different? Um, I've got several other Coventry players, no more than the maximum of three, Abby, don't mind, don't worry. Um, in, in She's my team, literally so. just writing that on the on the <laughs> shared doc that we have for the show. Um, no, I have gone for Rotherham's goalkeeper, Daniel Everson. I've been really impressed with him, promising keeper. On loan, of course, from Leicester City, who have given him a new contract on the basis of a pretty outstanding campaign for the Millers. I think this, I think he's a real prospect and he's done a, done a sterling job there at Rotherham. So yeah, Everson between the sticks. Okay, defence-wise then, Clark, are you, are you going back three, four, five? I'm going for a back three. So, so it's a three, four, three, but my wing-backs are, are full-backs so that they'll all get a run out today. Um, should I start with my three centre-halves? Sure. Yeah, for, uh, three centre-halves then I've gone for on the right-hand side, uh, Rob Dickey of Oxford. I think he's been tremendous, got a little bit of everything and has been... The model of consistency, I think, I think during, during the season. I know that a number of clubs from higher levels are looking at Rob Dickey and um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if this is his last season at League One level. In the middle, I think it has to be, I think the heartbeat really of the Coventry defence that Sam was just talking about, Carl McFadzine, the veteran, perfect to just sit in there between the other two centre-halves. He's been brilliant, came in, of course, from, from Burton and... At, yeah, he, he's improved what was already a pretty, pretty good rear guard. So, so Fadzine and Dickey, and and then the left side will be the left footer from from Rotherham again. Actually, Michael Ihikwe, I think he's been outstanding. Got a bit of everything as well. Athletic, tall, strong, proper centre half. Looks after the ball pretty well as well. So, so yeah, Dickey, McFadzine, and he Ihikwe. Nice, uh, Sam. What are you doing formation wise for your boys at the back? Well, I'm getting the excuses in early because I thought we were only allowed a 4-4-2 or a 4-3-3. So already I'm I'm liking the look of Clarkey's team and I'm feeling that it could be another <laughs> narrow defeat. But I'm going to stick with the way I went last week, which is to try and get a player from the majority of the successful teams into my side. And with that in mind, I'll give you my two centre-halves. Firstly, Hikwa, who Adrian just, just mentioned. I mean, he's top of it, the charts in... In, in everything, clearances, blocks, interceptions. Uh, quite a composed little finisher as well when he's had the opportunity to do so. And Rotherham's best player this season, in my mind. Um, so the other one I'm going to go for, and I had Dickie in my team pre-Christmas. He's not going to make it. The other ones I would mention would be Rose at Coventry. I think he's their standout defender. He's the best ball-playing defender that they've got. He's been outstanding. And Burgess, I think, at Portsmouth deserves a mention as well. Kind of turning around his Pompey career to a degree, really consistent this year, out of contract. So a lot of clubs be looking at him. But I am going to go for Harry Souter at Fleetwood. Ever-present. Again, it's his second loan spell, but been outstanding, so consistent. And I just think it would be a shame and a miss of us not to get a Fleetwood player into this side. It's what I did with the championship. Suter, colossal, aerially, and very capable on the ball for a guy who's must be 6'4", six, 6'5", six, odd. Uh, okay, Adrian, yeah, who player. are your wing-backs? Yeah, good, yeah, I think it's a good pick. I, yeah, and the, yeah, Burgess was close to my team. Yeah, so my wing-backs, uh, Coventry, Fankerty Dabo of Coventry, 
He's a player I've spoken about on the show before. He's got a bit of everything. He's equally strong at defending, really snappy in the tackle, but also excellent piling forward, um, a real threat down that right-hand side, loads of energy. Um, so Dabo for me on the right-hand side. And on the left, a little bit like like Sam with, with Suter's pick. I think we have to get a Wickham player in there and a, and a defender too, or prim- primarily a defender. Um, they've, they've been excellent this season, of course. And, and he's, the score, he's the penalty expert, but also brilliant on set plays and a really steady, solid left-back. And that would be Joe Jacobson. So, so for me, uh, Fankerty Dabo and Joe Jacobson as wingbacks. Nice, uh, Sam. Who are your traditional fullbacks? Would you like my two fullbacks and my deepest midfield player today, or do you just want my fullbacks? Uh, once again, Abby has just written on the dock. Let's get some defensive midfielders too. So yes. Good synergy okay. going on between us all today. I think it's the video <laughs> call we're doing whilst we're recording. So I'll. Um, <laughs> I'm going to agree with Adrian wholeheartedly on Jacobson. I think he makes probably the EFL. 11 maybe on the left-hand side. Very disciplined when I've seen defensively as well as going forward. And obviously nine goals is is sensational for a defender. So he's in there. And it's it was one of two. It was either Fankerty, who um, obviously I loved watching at Chelsea as a young player. Had the uh, privilege of interviewing him a few times and a lovely boy. But he's not going to make it. I'm going for Luke O'Nine. Um, again, wanted to get one in from Sunderland. I think he's been so consistent. I think I'm right in saying that he missed the opening day of the season and then he's only missed 19 minutes in the league and that's when he got sent off at Peterborough. So, yeah, incredible mentality, consistency and he can play a variety of roles. He gets in my side at right back. And he's good at interviews, isn't he? As we've seen on the Sunderland Till I Die. I think he comes across as the most likeable player. I interviewed him, actually, when he was at Wickham. And he was so nice. And, and he, he's genuinely one of those kids that that wants to help other people out in his spare time. He was, he was, he was almost one of those that you think is to, too nice. You know, spending his afternoons going to local schools to help out with some coaching and stuff and, and do bits for charity. He's just, just one of those kind of characters. So, yeah, um, on niceness alone... Deserves his place in Sam's team. <laughs> Luco, nice. Um, Sam, who uh, who have you got as your defensive midfielder? Well, basically, I'm going to dominate the ball. So Adrian's not going to get anywhere near it anyway. I've gone for the kind of Coventry vibe in the midfield, although you know it's not going to be loaded uh, with lads from that particular team. I'm going to go for Ben Whiteman. And he has been playing a little bit more further forward this year. Five goals tells you that. But captain, missed one game all season... Uh, dropping in between those two centre-halves, the range of passing. He's one of my favourite players at that level. Um, He really came to the fore last year, so maybe he hasn't got the plaudits this year, but he's been ever so consistent again. And like I said, I I don't want Adrian having any of the ball, so he will keep it all day. (laughs) Okay, how are you going to counter that, Adrian? (laughs) Well, all will be revealed next week, Matt, of course. Um, But no, it's, it's a wise strategy. Um, but but no, I'm I'm still confident about about my remaining five. So uh, yeah, bring it on. It's good to be different. All right, some controversial takes there, some hot ones and some other ones. More of the same next week. League two coming up. Listeners, we want to tell you about a beautifully simple way to showcase and sell your photography. PicFair is used by over 150,000 people worldwide. It's a free platform that allows anyone to sell their photos from complete amateurs like me to seasoned professionals, probably like some of you out there in Podland. And PicFair is so simple. All you do is upload your photos, name your price and those pics will appear on your personal online photography store. 
Your photographs will also be listed on PicFest's central marketplace, where images taken by people who've never sold a picture before have been published by The Guardian, Time Out and Rough Guides, and they've even been used on the front cover of National Geographic. Alongside digital downloads, customers can also purchase your photos as beautiful frame prints and canvases. And whether you sell them through your own store or the marketplace, PicFair will produce the prints for you in high-quality labs and take care of all of the shipping. So if you've got time on your hands and you're wondering what to do with all of the brilliant photos you've got lying around on your hard drive or camera roll, go to PicFair.com and sign up for free today. That's P-I-C-F-A-I-R.com. PicFair, a new home for your photography. League Two headlines. Macclesfield have yet again failed to pay their players on time. That's the fifth time this has happened this season. Crew have furloughed staff, as have Lake Orient. And Stevenage continue to go above and beyond in helping their community. And we're going to speak to somebody who's been a part of that next. OK, with us now is the Stevenage captain, Scott Cuthbert. Hi, Scott. Hi, how are you getting on? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, your club's coronavirus community care line is up and running and the club have been leading the way in terms of helping everyone, young and old and in between in the community. And what's it like being involved and what have you specifically been up to? Yeah, it's been good. The club, um, when when training was cancelled um, a few weeks back now, the club got in contact with us, with a few of the players that were local and just asked if we'd like to, to help out and go along to the, the stadium, pick up some sandwiches, some milk, so there's activity packs, packs for, for children and for, for adults as well. And we just really go about, we get a few addresses to deliver them about to the local area. We've done a couple of um, drops to Lister Hospital in Stevenage and done the odd drop off here and there over Stevenage to predominantly the elderly that, that can't really get out the house and I've got no one that's no one that can support them and help them out with these things. So it's been nice. And what what's been the response of the of the people that you've come into contact with? It just they've been really really grateful. I think one that, that struck us the most was when we've, you know, we drop off sandwiches to the hospital, and uh, we've got nurses coming out thanking us. Really really grateful for just anything that they can get because I think they they do tremendous work, and especially at this stage, I think it's highlighted even more that you know the amount of work that they do. And obviously the resources are stretched as much as they can. So yeah, they've been really, really, they've been really, really grateful and thankful that we're able to do just a little bit, you know, to help out. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I really do, Scott. Um, it's been a difficult season, as we all know, for for you guys on the pitch. But yeah, I would imagine that the, the reaction you're getting and and the, the club's reputation beyond this is is going to be enhanced. You're going to win back a lot of. A lot of friends for this. Um, what was the reaction of the players when when Phil Wallace and and the rest of the guys asked you to get involved? Was it just just no hesitation at all, straight on it? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. You know, end of the day, football kind of goes out the window at this stage of the at this stage of life when people's people's livelihoods have been thrown up in the air, people's health are thrown up in the air, and. We are fortunate. We might only be a League Two club that gets maybe two and a half, three thousand fans week in, week out. But we've got an opportunity to, you know, to reach out to the community. And there's a lot of people within that community that support the club and uh, look up to the people in the club. So it gave us an opportunity as players to get out there to reach out to people and um, just show a different side of the, of the club. You know, I think people maybe don't notice how much the football club means to people. You know, especially boys who don't live close by, and it's not until you get out there into the community you realise 
you know, all the, the football fans and all the people connected to the club, how they're affected. And it's, like I said before, it's, it's, lovely, to, it's lovely to help out. Is it is it also a useful distraction for you as a group of players, you know, a way to take your mind off the fact that you, you're not currently able to do what, what you're employed to do? Yeah, exactly that as well. You know, I, a couple of weeks ago, I registered to be a volunteer as well because I just thought, I'm you know, I'm stuck in a house 24 hours a day practically. It gives me that opportunity to go out and to, to help people, you know, whether that just be to drop off a prescription, drop off some food, go to the shops, whatever whatever you can do if you're able to, to help people out in this in this situation, then I don't see there any reason why you shouldn't. And I think you've saw that with the amount of people who have, you know, have registered to be volunteers and the amount of people who have stepped forward to help others out. It's really it's bringing the best out in people. Yeah, fair yeah. play to you, Scott. I was going, I was going to say, in terms of these these deliveries, it's an opportunity to keep fit, isn't it? Obviously, I don't know where all these these addresses are, but you've got an opportunity to to I don't know how much stuff you've got to lug around, but you could. You could walk it, can you? Are you walking around the, the town centre, obviously keeping your distance from everybody else? No, we tend uh, to walk. The, the rules kind of are that well, I'm about, I'm Bishop Stortford, so I'm 40 <sighs> minutes away, so I drive into Stevenage. And the rules are that everyone has to travel themselves and obviously not be close to each other. So we tend to drive to all the locations, park up, and just kind of any risk of kind of coming into contact with people is kind of dropped that way if you can yeah. stay in the car and drive about as much as you can. But, um, the, the, the club, even though we're not allowed to to work, you know that the lads are the lads are good pros. You know, at the end of the day, our jobs is is to be a professional footballer. So we've we've got all our own individual programs and stuff that we like to do day in day out. So I get to go out for an hour as well. When all that's over, we go out for an hour and earn a bit myself and run around the local park and, and keep ticking over. Cause you know, just because all this is going on at the moment, normal life hopefully will resume at, at some stage and we can get back to doing to doing our jobs and we have to be ready to do that. Scott, you've been at some some good clubs in the in the EFL. I know that Stevenage have got a, a great academy um, and also do conferences and stuff at the the ground. Is that something that struck you immediately when you signed that they're doing lots of stuff in the in the community? I suppose. Well, what, yeah, what struck me was you you don't realise until you sign for a club, but like I've said before, all the stuff that goes on in, in the background and as a small club, but they've got a fantastic foundation there. The Borough Foundation do some unbelievable work. I know Joe's the um, the head of the foundation there, and he's came up to the training ground maybe two, three times a, a season, and gives us um, little PowerPoint presentations of, of what they do and how they they reach out, and whether that's throughout the season, whether that's walking football for the elderly, or or whether it's learning support for the young kids who have maybe you know been led astray at a young age, and they, they bring a support network for them to help them. It, it varies, and and the work that they do is unbelievable, and that's obviously supported by the club as well, and. I think, like I said before, that that's a, a for small clubs in these football leagues. That's kind of comes part and parcel with their job is that they can reach out to the, these communities and and help them. And yeah, you know, every club that I've I've been at, um, from Swindon, Orient, Luton, they've all had the kind of community uh, feels to them, and and it's great because it brings ultimately the aim is to try and bring more supporters and young supporters on board and come and support the lads and help out the football club as best as they can. Well, it's fantastic to see and you're doing a great job. Uh, finally, before we let you go, Scott, the key question. Uh, you said you've been delivering sandwiches. What What's yeah. the ideal Scott Cuthbert sandwich? I want to know right from type of bread <laughs> to, to what's in between it and the age-old butter versus margarine debate. Yeah, well, I'm, because my cause my body fat's a little bit high, I've been a bit naughty. I'm, I'm off the white bread, so I can't have that. So I better choose granary bread. Um, 
No, I, just a basic chicken salad. I like that. Chicken salad sandwich, as long as it's on granary bread, and that'll do me. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. I, I, I'm sort of with you, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, my little brilliant. one's been going through a stage of the cheese and ham toasties, and she's been... My little girl's five, and she's she's been going through that, having a bit of lunch, and I'm sitting there with the, the healthy option, and it's <laughs> tempting, I must admit, but I'm holding off just now. Well, listen, you treat yourself to the odd cheese and ham toasty because you're doing fantastic work out there in the community uh, in <laughs> Stevenage. Um, we'll let you get back to that. Thank you very much for joining us today, though. We appreciate your time. No problem. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Scott Cuthbert, football team captain, helpful human sandwich eater. Uh, I've got to ask you two as well. Sam, what are you putting in your, your Waitrose sourdough? Uh, it's got to be butter, hasn't it? I mean, Marge is a bit of a thing of the past. A bit embarrassed that I mentioned that. <laughs> 100% salted butter and I, I did this the other day I did a little homemade club sandwich you can't get better can you chicken bacon tomato avocado I think I put cheese in it as well and Louise my girlfriend caught me butter in the middle slice of bread so I had three <laughs> slices and I put the moist maker in she was like <laughs> you have got coronary written all over you <laughs> uh, Clarky Rogan Joss sandwich is that, uh, is that a thing Got a lot of time for that, Sam. A lot of time for that. Look, on a day-to-day basis, I'm a simple cheese and pickle kind of guy. Yeah, always always some kind of uh, butter. Obviously, margarine is gone, hasn't it? It's a thing of the past. Um, but look, uh, my favourite sandwich would 100% be a bacon, Sarni. Bacon sandwich with, with ketchup all day long on, on white. Yeah, bacon's the the common factor here. I think I'd go chicken and bacon, maybe with a bit of salad. But you can't beat a, a white bread bacon sandwich. With yeah, cheap, ketchup. cheap white bread. The cheaper yeah. the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mighty white. <laughs> okay, we got sandwich and curry recommendations. Uh, it seems right, therefore, to end the show with box sets to watch whilst eating a Rogan Josh biryani or bacon sandwich. Uh, Sam, what what are you picking out for people to get into that isn't football? Well, you got a try and watch something that's going to put a smile in your face that's what we've been tending to do so get yourself back to series one of curb your enthusiasm and let the good times roll steady that's a solid recommendation clarky can you can you match it well i'm I'm going a bit rogue here and and this is this is i, I really should just apologize to you personally matt because when you reference toy story a long long time ago on this podcast i, I pretty much laughed at you and said that, come on, you're a grown man. Why, why are you, you know, praising Toy Story? Now this lockdown <laughs> has made me look after my two youngsters, um, both under four, twenty four seven, and it means that I've been through Toy Story um, and Toy Story one, two, three. Three was a favourite actually. Um, so my recommendation would be Disney Plus. We subscribed uh, about a week or two ago. So for all the mums and dads out there listening. If you're not on it already, Disney Plus is fantastic and it will save you hours of entertaining your own children this weekend. That is very, very solid. Um, I'm going to be the 500th person to recommend that you watch Tiger King on Netflix because it is quite good. Uh, Okay, Adrian, Sam, stay safe this weekend. Sam, I hope you get some sleep, but you're probably not going to, so that's just a thing. Uh, (laughs) Clarky, enjoy. uh, I don't know what you're going to go for next at the Disney back. Well, yesterday I did did a bit of Monsters, Inc. yesterday. Um, I think Incredibles 2 might go down that route. I'm not sure. Cartoon version of Robin Hood is also a good one. Thanks for your company this week, listeners. Caroline's back next week. She'll speak to you then. Bye for now. 
You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. host of the Totally Scottish Football Show and if you like football you're gonna love Scottish football it's not all just Stevie G and Scott Brown up here no because we talk about all of the Scottish football and geez oh it's great there's actually a title race this year in the Premiership Stevie G will be hoping not to slip up again Hearts are tearing each other a new one Motherwell are doing well Well, they're doing well. So, if you like your football to be competitive, have a title race and a ton of drama off and on the pitch, the Totally Scottish Football Show is most definitely for you. Grab Scottish football by the boys, just like Ryan Christie did, and listen to the Totally Scottish Football Show, available everywhere, even in England. Muddy Knees Media.